Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 667 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, I'm going to be speaking with Ryan. He's an adult who has type 1 diabetes. He also lost his sight later in life because of diabetes retinopathy. Today, Ryan's going to share a story with us. And Ryan would like you and everyone listening, including the manufacturers of diabetes devices, to know that accessibility is incredibly important. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please take a few minutes today to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and take the survey. Your answers, which will not be hard, trust me, easy, easy survey, those answers will help people living with type 1 diabetes. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Find out more at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get the meter that my daughter uses. The podcast is also sponsored today by U.S. Med. If you're tired of your diabetes supplier and you'd like to get better service and better care, go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. Get your free benefits check right now and get started with U.S. Med. Hi, guys. My name is Ryan Hui. I am the program lead of Come to Work for the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. I am 35 years old and I've been diabetic since type 1 diabetic since I was seven years old. I'm currently a pump user and I actually uh, live with a condition called diabetes retinopathy, which has uh, taken away a lot of my sight, but I'm not letting it slow me down. And you know what? We're going to talk about that today. And before we do anything serious, and that was a lot of important, serious stuff right there, I'm just going to get out of the way, letting you know that every time you pop up on my calendar, I think of that Hong Kong Fooey cartoon uh, from when I was a kid, <laughs> which I'm sure most people I get remember. that a lot. It, 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 I do get that a lot. It's funny. <laughs> it messes with my, it just messes with me because I know you're coming on and you've got like a really interesting story and, you know, it's a fairly serious topic. And in my mind, like this is that just doesn't feel that serious right now. So I, you know what? I, I have a good sense of humor about it. Cause let's face it, I'm visually impaired, but I would, I just do funny things that I wouldn't do if I had sight and you got to have a sense of humor about it or else, you know, I'd, I'd be one of, I'd be a shut in and just, you know, I got a lot to give. I'm young ish we'll say. And uh, I, you know what? I think I got a lot still left to learn and a lot to give, especially in the, the diabetes world. Cool. All right, Ryan. So let me try and make sure I understand everything. You were born sighted. I was, yes. All right. And if I use bad terminology, please let me know as I'm going, because I really don't have the first idea of, of what I'm doing here. So, but sighted seemed like something I'd heard before that sounded right. Um, and the, the loss of vision, was it genetic? Was it diabetes related? Was it a blend of the two? 
Great question, but I, I really hate um, this question for a number of reasons. And so like, I, I don't know who's listening, but I'm very careful to say that it was diabetes related because there's so many diabetics out there that I don't want them to think it's inevitable because it's not. It just, I think I drew the short stick. Um, so it was diabetes related, but I'm a little bit different. Uh, usually there's warning signs, there's treatments nowadays that, you know, can, can help out and, and stem the loss or even stop it completely. Right. Right. Uh, so that you can keep your usable vision or, um, you know, full vision. Right. Uh, this happened to me about 10 years ago. I actually, um, was bowling the night before, uh, drove home completely fine. I, I wore reading glasses, uh, but that, that was nothing out of the ordinary. And I woke up the next morning and people were texting me and I wasn't answering them. And they finally called me and like, Ryan, why aren't, why aren't, why aren't you answering your phone? And I said, I couldn't see the screen. So I'm like, you know what, maybe it's just dark in here. I opened the windows, turned on the lights. It's, you know, 10 in the morning, but still couldn't see. And eventually this was a, this was a Sunday. I went to the emergency room and at that point they, they looked in my eye and said, there's something serious going on here. And uh, that was, like I said, Sunday. By Thursday, I was up in Toronto at the big hospital um, having some surgery done on my eyes to try and save my my sight. But unfortunately, at that point, both of my retinas had detached. Oh, my gosh. So diagnosed at seven, 18 years later in your mid-20s, and you just wake up one day and things are gone. Um, let's ask about, so you're Canadian, which I can tell by your general pleasant demeanor and your accent. Uh, plus you work for a place in Canada, which would be a weird pull if you were like in Texas or something like that. Um, and, but, but your healthcare system and being diagnosed that long ago, they put you on regular and MPH and did you stay on it forever? How did that go at your diagnosis? Do you recall? Really interesting. So over the course of years, and I'm going to age myself here, but there's been several different times that I've changed all kinds of whether it's insulin, counting carbs, you know, the, the big chart, you get four fruits and vegetables, you get 12 proteins, whatever that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then there was even like the weird pyramid you had to use and like counting. I don't even know what this is, but like a kilojoule back in the day, but insulin wise, I learned very quickly and you know what? You, I, I try to be a, half, a glass half full kind of guy, but it, diabetes helped me grow up a lot faster. Uh, so I learned to mix my insulin and give myself injections. And of course, back then there was, there was no pen. It was, you know, syringe. Okay. You got to test your blood sugar. Don't touch the strips with your hands because then they're not, they're not usable. And then it's like, Oh, you gotta, you, you got to um, wait 60 seconds. And now it's like, four seconds until you get the, the reading, right? So yeah. I was on uh, regular and MPH. And what's interesting in, in Canada, we used to call the regular, the humulin R, we called it Toronto. Um, I, I don't know why. I, I, I have to ask my diabetes educator about that. But um, it was actually really cool because I learned to give myself injections on an orange. So like they'd say, okay, drop the insulin, you get, you know, four units of R and 15 units of NPH. And uh, it was a, br a breakfast and a dinner kind of thing. And that was years and years and years. And then finally, Humalog came out and I got switched over to that, which I'm still on today. But NPH was a slower kind of, yeah. I guess, wean off. Okay. Uh, and I did Lantus for a while, but now because I'm on a pump, it's straight Humalog. So is this prior to um, like in-home, real portable blood glucose meters, your diagnosis, or did you have one? No, I had one, but it was... Um, it was probably, oof, I don't know, the size of a television remote. Like yeah. it, it wasn't, I mean, they say portable loosely, but it was more like 
this is it is huge. You can't carry it in your pocket, right? So my mom was carrying it around in her purse because it, it was just too big, right? Um, and it's it's interesting because all the kids were so curious because I was so young. Oh my god, why do you what are you doing over there? Like why why do you get to do this? Can you do this to me? And it's you know like it was actually kind of helped because it was I was the cool kid. Like look at all this stuff, but we didn't realize. Hey, Ryan, you can't eat sugar. This is a very fickle disease. You don't know what's going on inside your body, that sort of thing, right? So um, I was eating peanut butter. I always played organized sports. I was eating peanut butter sandwiches and drinking Gatorades on the on the hockey bench or the in the baseball dugout. And other kids were, got water and like, why does he get that? And nobody really understood. Yeah, I, I was going to ask if before I go forward, I want to tell you that uh, in my attempt to Google Kilojoule, all I came up with was a DJ named DJ Kilojoule. So that's not going anywhere for me. Uh. (laughs) It it was, uh, it was very short lived. uh, That's for sure. And then I had this big poster board that I had to hang on the fridge. And it's like, okay, Ryan, for breakfast, you get, you know, two fats and four starches and six vegetables and uh, one milk. So it's like, okay, if you had a bowl of cereal, you had to match up the picture. I get a quarter of a bowl of Cheerios with half a cup of milk. And that's my, my starch and my milk. It was really it worked, but now looking back at what we know now, I'm like, what a disastrous way to treat something, right? It's yeah. it's 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 just you know insulin twice a day. Where, you know, well the insulin eventually wears off. Well, what am I doing in between that? And I'm eating a whole lunch in, in a whole meal in between that. So it's it's interesting how um how we we've, we've progressed. Yeah, I actually, and, and not to take another diversion, but. Um, I was pretty sure, but I wanted to double check, you know, most of the research that went on around, uh, insulin initially, uh, Banting and Best and, and all that stuff that happened University of Toronto. So I'm guessing that was a probably pretty, uh, pretty big source of pride in Canada. Um, and, and hundred years, uh, you know, yes, hundred years of insulin, up. uh, this year. Yeah, yeah, no, it's coming up. It's really exciting. I actually have the coins here. Somebody was very kind, uh, Canadian listener sent me the, the commemorative coins about insulin. Oh, well, thanks for supporting. Cause that's a, uh, that's a great, and I'm a volunteer for diabetes Canada and I just did their lace up event. So I ran uh, 10 kilometers and then I ran over a hundred in the month of September okay. as we raised money. And it was kind of, we can't wait a hundred more years for a cure, right? Like uh, we're, we're treating a disease and for lack of a better term, we're not really getting anywhere, right? There's still complications. There's still this, there's unfortunately still people, you know, passing away and there's kids getting in. And I, I hate um, to see kids get diabetes and it's, you know what, I'm hoping that when, you know, even $1 can get us a, a little bit uh, of a foot forward. Well, excellent. Uh, listen, I'll tell you that I think the, the real problem at the moment is the disparity between care, right? Like there are people who are diagnosed today in 2021 that still receive regular and MPH and that, you know, kind of very old fashioned, you know, care plan. Uh, there are other people who have access to amazing technology and you look at their A1C and their variability and their time and range, and you might not even know they had diabetes. And the difference between those people can be, you know, financial. Sometimes it can be just the luck of having a doctor who understands it well enough to explain it to you or to introduce you to the tools. Um, it, it, it's, you're right. It's, it's, you don't, you don't think about it as much, but there's just such a chasm between understanding and not understanding. And there are a lot of problems in between how people come to that information or, or never find it. You're absolutely right. And you know what the big thing, even within countries, it almost depends on 
where you live. Yeah. Right. And it's, uh, it's, it's sort of, even within Canada, there's certain provinces that I can live in and get exceptional care. And then there's other provinces where things are only partially covered or not covered at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're almost in a sense, and I'm being facetious here, telling me where I can and can't live uh, in, in a sense within Canada, right. Within my own country that I'm a citizen of. It's like, if I live in Ontario, I get this, but if you live in Manitoba, you don't get this. So it's like, why, I mean, facetious question here, but why would I ever move there? If I'm getting the coverage I'm getting in Ontario Mm. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, 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 it's very, it's a very interesting thing. And I know, um, Diabetes Canada, and I hate to mention them again, has done a really great thing and they brought the CNIB in and they're doing a, a care plan for called Diabetes 360, right? Um, so it's like, hey, let's get a national framework within Canada so that if you live in Vancouver or if you live in Halifax, you get the same care and everywhere in between. So it's like, this is covered. There's no gray area. It's black and white kind of thing. And I think that's what, what we really need and what needs to be adopted, not just within one country, but worldwide, right? Because even um, I'm, I'm actually, you know, to go back to your previous question, I'm actually a dual citizen of Canada and the US. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it's it's interesting because uh, my mom lives over in the US and, and she's a diabetic. Uh, she's type two, but some of her medication is when she tells me what it costs, I, I can't believe what, what she has to pay just to essentially stay alive and to be able to eat food every day um it's it's mind-blowing listen canadians have enough trouble as we heard a minute ago from that loud bang you just had to defend yourself from a beaver riding a moose so uh, (laughs) why should you also have to fight about what insulin costs it's not fair honestly you live in a tundra it's a wasteland am i right just frozen like you probably live in a city somewhere i'm just i don't know well i'm actually uh i you know i'm actually in the big smoke as we call it here i'm in toronto today so that's uh you know what it's not my usual uh dwelling but you know what it's the biggest city in canada so there's it, it's quite a, a change and if you hear the clicking that's actually my guide dog who has a mind of his own uh cnib trained joe walking around and uh Oh. clop and uh, everywhere kind oh, of thing cool so the so moose are more gentrified that's excellent um th- yes yeah. we've trained them to live at home <laughs> that's lovely i really wish you would have just said that you had a, a seeing eye i don't know anything else that was like you know indigenous to canada but I'll, we'll accept that it's a dog um so is it fair to say that by today's standards and let's think about for you what is, you, you're using an insulin pump you have a glucose monitor I do. I use the Libre. Okay. So it's uh, a con- uh, the, the continuous blood glucose monitor, but it only tests when I scan my arm. So it's like, uh, a flash looks like a couple of quarters. Yeah. Yep. A couple of quarters on the back of my arm and I scan my phone over it. And then my phone reads it out loud to me because the meter that is produced with it will display the, uh, the, the sugar level, but it won't, it doesn't audio audio, okay. like tell me with sound kind of thing, right? right? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. But, but my point is that your care now is more in line with what I would consider, you know, top of the line care now. And can we, is it fair to look back and say that if you had the care you have now back then, would your vision be different or have they given you any indication of why it happened to you so quickly? Because it's my guessing, and I obviously don't know, but that people listening are thinking that, that there must have been those years must have been really hard on you. And, and, but, or is that not the case? Can you explain that part to us? 
I'm really lucky because of the people that support me around. Um, I wouldn't be where I'm at with, without them, uh, whether it's a diabetes nurse, whether it's my endocrinologist, my family, um, even my friends, they, they really support me and help me out when, when they can. Right. So that's first and foremost, like I, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am. Uh, today, but it's interesting when you use the word uh, top of the line. I, I do believe I receive really good care, but there's still some things that are lacking. Um, like I, I, I know going back to like I, I played scholarship baseball um, in in the states, right? So it's like I, not that I was unhealthy. Like yeah, maybe I drank a couple of extra Gatorades here and there, you know, got some sugar in me, but. For the most part, my my diabetes care was pretty good. My my sugars and A one Cs were all in check and. It's just, like I said, I don't know, something caught up to me and yeah. I finally, the, my, my vision just went right. There's no rhyme or reason, but I'm kind of, I don't want to look back on it. Not that I won't answer questions, but it's like, I, let's, let's see how we can move forward. Right. Like I tell people, and this is very just out there, but I'm blind. I'm not dead. Like I still can walk around my legs, my arms, my mind still works. Yeah. Um, and I really like what we're doing here. But the thing I talk about when you say top of the line care my insulin pump is tens of thousands of dollars, right? To, to purchase it. Right. But I only use 11% of the functions because I can't see the screen. So like, I can't count carbs with it. I, I like put this into perspective. I can't even tell you what my battery level is on my insulin pump huh. uh, because I can't see the screen. Yeah. So th- there are some services that are lacking. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what brought us together. Right. Where, you know, with the CNIB and with, uh, Diabetes Canada and all the pump manufacturers, you know, your Medtronic, your Ipso pump, um, tandem, all of those, um, we're looking into how can we create something, whether it's an app or whether it's a fully accessible pump, um, just, just to, to get it out on the market, because, you know, just not even with me, just with diabetes retinopathy in general, like there's vision issues or potential vision issues for every single diabetic out there. I think that even beyond more catastrophic problems just just age in general for people i think your fight could end up in you know inadvertently maybe but but very directly being the fight of every person who eventually needs glasses just to see something in front of them i think all the time i mean my daughter's only 17 but i think all the time about like what's going to happen to her like what if she gets lucky right and she just lives into her 70s she's still going to have type 1 diabetes and I watch my mom try to, you know, mute her television. And I think, what if my mom had to check her blood sugar or change a CGM or put on a new insulin pump? I don't know that she could do that. And I, I think that your your issue is puts a real spotlight on it because of your age, because we're talking about it in a time prior to when we expect to talk about it. Like if I said to somebody, oh, like my 75-year-old mother can't blah, 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 they'd think, oh, well, that makes sense. But when it's you, you go, guy, there's a 35-year-old guy that can't, what are we going to do for him? But I think it's, what are we going to do for everybody? Like everybody at some point in their, like I had perfect vision my entire life. I mean, really like just, I never imagined that my vision would be an issue for me. And a few years ago, I just suddenly couldn't see the things in front of me without glasses on. And that's not going to, I mean, it might get better. It might, it's not going to get better. I'm sorry. It might get, you know, more severe. I don't know. But what if I had to do those things? And that was part of my struggle. Um, are there answers? Like, what do you find that's helpful to you? Again, just a lot. Of, you're asking for a lot of help and a lot of memorization at this point. And it's interesting you bring up, uh, you know, my age, right? Because I'm in that weird middle age where I 
remember before the internet when your telephone hung on the wall and had a cord. And now I also remember where, hey, I got this computer that fits in my pocket and does pretty much whatever you ask it to, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, I, I think back and what if you handed a 12-year-old diabetic the meter I had to use 20 years ago? Like they'd laugh at it, right? But And then on contrast, what if you handed someone like your mother, if they have to test a blood sugar, what if I hand them my my blood glucose monitor and they're like, what, what, what is this? There's no screen. What do I do with it? You know, it's, it's interesting um, how we have to sort of cater to and take into account everybody, like you said. And I think that's the, the thing that everybody is missing. It's not, hey, let's make a specific thing for one group of people. Let's make it accessible for everybody. I mean, because even somebody that uh, has their vision might prefer uh, not to take their pump out of their pocket, right? Like let, let's let's use the sounds. I can use the sounds, and, and and it makes it easier, right? And you might not be visually impaired, but like things, audio things make things easier. Or let's reverse the contrast. If it's you know uh, light background and dark print, let's make it a dark background and light print. Let's make there's some options out there, right? Because again, I don't work for Apple. I don't. I don't. Uh, but. I can take an iPhone or any of their products out of the box and start it up and immediately with no help, set it all up and use it. Mm. Like, why can't we do that with other things, right? Where it's like, I have to FaceTime somebody or I have to have my diabetes educator or somebody with sight even to just change a battery on my pump or, you know, daylight savings is coming up. So for someone to change, I can't change the time. And yeah, it might not make a difference. Uh, if, uh, you know, one hour, but like, let's say I travel to Europe or Hawaii where there's like a six hour time difference. Well, that's going to make a big difference on the, on when my insulin is getting dispersed and how much is supposed to right? if I'm sleeping, not sleeping, but I can't change that on my own. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that I, I guess people just take for granted. And I, and I understand that, but you know, it's, People like the CNIB and everybody that's helping out with this project, you know, we need to get that universal design into the pump and thinking about how can this help everybody, not just, you know, a visually impaired perspective. Let me ask you to put context to your, so I'm going to try to understand what it is you're seeing or not seeing in your, through your eyes. So when you're, when you have this issue at first and you just wake up one day and this is happening, your retinas have detached is that was that what ended up happening is that from uh, what does that i guess u.s med is a diabetes supply company they are a plus rated with a better business bureau they accept medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers they carry everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs, including Libre2 and Dexcom G6. U.S. Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast, free shipping. But I've been ordering diabetes supplies for a very long time, and I know what you really want to know. Are they going to be a pain in the butt, or are they going to ship me my stuff like they're supposed to? Well, U.S. Med prides themselves on white glove treatment. They want you to have better service and better care than you're accustomed to. If you'd like to give U.S. Med a try, go to usmed.com forward slash juice box and get your free benefits check right now. Or if you prefer the telephone, 888-721-1514. U.S. Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems nationwide. The number one distributor for Omnipod Dash. 
fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. And they have over 1 million diabetes customers served since 1996. Aren't you tired of getting messed around by your supply company? I know I am. Speaking of diabetes supplies, why don't I tell you about my daughter's blood glucose meter? It's called the Contour Next One, and you can learn more about it at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Here are a couple of things that you'll find when you get to the link. Pictures, words, and links. I'm just kidding. There's a link on the front that says buy online. If you'd like to pick up a meter now, it's say, I don't know, Amazon, CVS, Kroger, Target, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Walmart. You can do that right at my link. Or you can just learn more. Find out about the test strips, which offer second chance testing, meaning if you were to touch the little blood with the testy strip, I don't want to be too technical, and you don't get quite enough, you can go back and get more without ruining the accuracy of the test or wasting the strip. This meter is everything you want it to be. It's small and convenient. It's easy to carry. The screen is easy to read. The buttons are easy to use, and the light is bright for nighttime viewing. Most importantly, it's legit accurate. Super duper accurate. Again, I don't want to use too many technical terms here. But we use the Contour Next One blood glucose meter here. It is hands down, without a doubt, no bull, the best meter Arden's ever used. Arden has had diabetes since she was two years old. She is almost 18. This is my favorite meter, and it's hers. Hers? Come on. And it's hers. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Don't let the fact that I can't pronounce hers detract you from what I've just said. There are links to Contour, US Med, and all of the sponsors in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Just in case you can't remember, usmed.com forward slash juice box or contournext.com forward slash juice box. And I have a couple seconds here, so let me also remind you t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Take the survey. Whoa, so much bass. All right, let's get back to Ryan. I describe this to people a lot. Uh, so this is sort of, you have a, a millions and billions of blood vessels in your eyes. And uh, they're when they're fresh, they're like green leaves on a tree. But as, you know, usually with diabetes, the, the you know, your blood sugars are up, down, it's a roller coaster ride. So those blood vessels begin to almost in a sense, we'll say die. So picture the leaves in autumn on the tree, they're starting to turn red and orange, and then they get kind of crusty and then fall off the tree, right? Mm. So my blood vessels did that overnight, and they pretty much all died and then fell on my retina and detached it. So it was like pretty much a big weight falling on my retina while I was sleeping, and they detached it. And to put it into perspective, your retina is the consistency of an elastic band but like you're taking it between both of your hands and stretching it as, as far as you can. Okay. That's sort of the consistency of your retina. So right now I have oil around my retinas uh, and it's holding them together. So uh, it's kind of like liquid hand soap, but it stays in my eyes and keeps the retina attached, but I'm not gaining any vision back from that. What, what, and I'm sorry, what is your level of vision? Like, how do you describe it to people? 
I have what's called light perception. So in my right eye, I can't see anything. My right eye might as well be closed. In my left eye, I can tell you the TV's on, but I can't tell you what's on it. I can say there's a light on on the ceiling or, oh, there's a screen door over there. I can see a door or a window depending on the light that's coming in. Mm -hmm. But that's about it Um, for for what's called light perception, right? Like if your fingers are maybe two inches in front of my eyes and you're wiggling two or three fingers, I might be able to tell you on a good day what, what, what you're doing. Um, I find that in the morning, this is interesting. I can tell if my blood sugars are normal or a little bit on the higher side based on looking out the screen door and what I can see because my blood sugar actually still affects what vision I have or don't have. Better blood sugars you see better, higher blood sugars you see less less well? Is that yeah, loosely defined, right? We'll say, okay. yeah. But yeah, of course, that's, that's sort of what... Um, what I can see. And you know what, in the summer, if we're standing outside next to each other, I might be able to see you, but you'd be like a blob. You wouldn't look like a person. You'd just be like a, a a cloudy blob. And I might be able to say, Oh, you're wearing a blue shirt, but you might say, Oh, it's black, but I can see dark, dark clothing. Right. Okay. Kind of thing. It works better, especially with the contrast of the light concrete. So, but I mean, I don't like to depend on that. That's why I got the guide dog. And that's why I got all kinds of training to kind of get me around kind of thing. So I'd love to understand your day then uh, specifically around eating and, and giving yourself insulin, those sorts of things. So you wake up in the morning. Can you walk me through it? What do you do? Yeah, of course. So right away I test my blood sugar. I take my smartphone and I open the app and then I scan it over the, uh, the, the, the tester on my arm and it tells me my blood sugar. Then I, you know, for, for breakfast, I tend to stick to a lot of the same sorts of foods and it's a little bit more expensive, but I buy prepackaged food. For instance, oatmeal, I don't buy the gigantic 10-pound bag. I buy the box of 12 packages because it's measured for me. So it's easier to count the carbs. Um, technology plays a huge role in, in what I do. So I have apps like Seeing AI. Um, there's a couple of other apps out there that will actually read. I hold my phone camera up to the box and I'll say, this is Quaker Oats Original Oatmeal. Uh, and then I can hold it up to the back and I'll say, oh, here it's 10, 10 grams of carb per pouch. It's this much sugar, this much sodium, that sort of thing, right? So I actually use technology quite a bit, but I, I, I tend to stick to the foods that I know that are prepackaged, that are, you know, like uh, I'll eat a, a fruit cup of peaches rather than a peach. And I know that sounds crazy, but at least it's measured for me because yeah. a peach could be so big. And, you know, I could say, hey, that's 10 carbs. Really, it's, 22. But I know in the cup of peaches, it's, you know, nine carbs. And that's, that's what it is because they've measured it kind of thing. Yeah, that doesn't sound crazy. Um, Hey, that app, I'm looking at it right now. It does a lot of crazy stuff, like not just reading things. You can teach it your friends faces and it'll tell you like facial gestures that people are making and it'll read money. Uh, So like if I go to China or to um, Europe, and I don't know if they have Braille on their money or not, or even the US, it will, it'll tell me that's a $10 bill US, or that's a $5 bill Canadian kind of thing. So it's, it's actually really cool. The app, is it perfect? Probably not. But you know what, it's the best we got. And it's really changed a lot of visually impaired people users lives for sure. But that's what you're talking about is it's somebody to step up and do something that really because that's an impactful thing for you that app, I imagine. I tend to use, I'd say I use it 50 times a day. Yeah. Because uh, even like reading my mail, um, I, I can, I can, it reads out my mail to me. Um, it's, it's funny. You can even, uh, if, if something pops up on my computer screen that, you know, my accessible technology doesn't read because it happens from time to time, I can hold it up to the computer screen and sometimes it'll read that for me. And it does 
from time to time catch things on my pump, but I don't know why it doesn't like the writing on my pump for some reason. So it'll, it'll say it says something, but it won't tell me what it is. It's like, I recognize the text, but I don't know what it says kind of thing. Right. So, okay. So you stay on a pretty regimented diet stuff that you know how to manage. What are your goals for blood sugars? Like, what are you trying to accomplish at a meal? Are you, are you trying to stop a spike? Or are you just trying to keep it under a certain number without going low? Like I'm trying to imagine that getting low is probably not a great thing for you. So like what, what's your, I mean, I guess like, what would you consider your style? Like what's it you're going for? I try to keep it more of a straight line than a, a, a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm eating, I try to keep it. And this is Canadian, right? Because I, I know you have listeners across the world. So we use the, the millimole system. So like uh, uh, in range sugar is anywhere from, let's say 4.5 to we'll say 8.5 is where you want to be. Um, you know, eight's getting a little bit higher, but you know, you're not going to, it's, it's not going to be, that's not a bad sugar, right? Yeah. I want to keep it under like, let's say 11 when I'm eating, even if I go out for chicken wings with friends, right. Kind of thing. Um, but you know what? That's not always the case. Um, I would much rather, and this, I please, I'm not a medical professional, but I would much rather go high than low hundred percent. There's no, no question about it just because of the treatment. Um, I get very sweaty when I'm low. I, I, I feel it pretty hard. Okay. Um, I run a lot on the treadmill and stuff. And so I always make sure I have stuff with me and it's usually liquid. Um, that's why I love the juice box podcast because my fridge is full of juice boxes all the time. You know, my daughter doesn't want them cold. She hates them cold. She'll drink a juice box if she's low, but she wants it to be room temperature. <laughs> you know what? I, I think I can, I can, I I'm good either way, but I think it's that insatiable hunger. Like nothing's ever going to satisfy the low. So she wants to get it in as quickly as possible. But if you're drinking a cold juice box, it's going to hurt your teeth. Yeah, so I think that might be why. Her whole life, she just never wanted them cold. Um, well, okay, so you're describing a world like for people living in America, like where you're shooting for 80 to 150-ish, but you're trying not to go over 200 at a meal. And and you're thinking that because not only do you, I'm guessing here, and I want I want to hear more from you about this, not only do you not feel well when you're low, but does, does your sight impact that moment, like I, I'm trying to imagine how much of what I do in a panic situation is very, un- I don't have to think about it because, because of the information that's coming in through my eyes. Like, like I, you know, uh, my daughter needed a juice box the other night and we just didn't have them upstairs anymore. And in the middle of the night, I had to walk downstairs to get it or something like that. And I'm taking it for granted that I could just traverse the house in the dark, grab it, walk back upstairs. So does everything you do take more time and does that time part of your consideration why you don't want to be fighting with a low or what are the other implications? Yes and no. Uh, So like obviously things will just take me a little bit more time in general in life to do. But uh, you know what? I I tend to sort of uh, as a blessing, like my, I don't want to say my memory's gotten better, but I think I learned to depend on it more. Just like I learned to depend on my hearing and my touch a little more. Mm. Um, if you think about like your home, I bet you, you could walk around your house. If you, I don't recommend trying this, but if you closed your eyes, I bet you'd still know where the coffee tables are, where the doors are in general. Right. So that's kind of what I do. I do what's called the zombie walk. I have my arms out in front of me. If I'm not having Joe, my guide dog lead me and I'm touching everything. Um, I'm sure my walls are pretty dirty. Uh, but you know what? It's, uh, it's a price you pay for not having banged up shins and stuff. I lose all of my vision when I get low or when I get too high. And that's sort of, 
I don't want to say the first indicator because at that point it's it's too late. Um, but that's sort of how you you kind of know, right? Um, and you know, I, my, many diabetics, I get agitated when I'm when I'm higher or even lower, right? And it's just you want to treat it as as quickly as possible. But I have to stay out of the kitchen because if I'm in the kitchen. I'll, I'll go crazy when I'm low. I mean, all that box of Oreos, like I tend not to keep that stuff in the house, but if, if it's there and readily accessible, it's gone going because you just it. have that insatiable hunger. And and then after that, you look down and you're like, oh, now I'm 15. It's like, uh-oh, what, what did I do? Now I got to correct that. You know, you go from extremely low to extremely high sure. and that's where you get into your your body trying to to adjust and things, right? And that's where you might get into some trouble with, complications right do you live on and again own? not a medical professional though no listen ryan at the beginning of this episode i'm going to say a very long sentence that makes everybody 100 percent certain that you and i are basically morons and you shouldn't listen to us so that way there's nothing here except for the stuff you really know about nothing's medical advice we're just chatting having a conversation um but trying to understand how things impact you which i think is the is is definitely the goal of this conversation um you live alone or not always or how does that work? No, I do. Uh, I do have a two-year-old daughter, uh, but she's not old enough to help me out yet, though. So um, it just adds, I guess, I don't want to say a, more, a little bit of a ripple, but uh, it adds a little bit of a ripple because I don't want to be going low when she's there um, kind of thing. So uh, you just, yeah, you, you, you know what? It's, 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 it's great. Um, but I do live alone for the most part. And I, you know, I, like I said, I got Joe, but he can't help me. He just um, helps me get around kind of thing. So it's, it's mostly, uh, myself. And like I said, I have a really great diabetes educator team, endocrinologist, and a lot of my friends will help me. I'll, I'll FaceTime them and be like, Hey, my technology isn't reading this. What, what, can you see what this is, what this says, uh, that sort of thing. And, and they're more than willing to, to help out, which is great. Cause I know not everyone has that opportunity. That's amazing. It really is. And your daughter's with you. Not, not full-time. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's it like? having a baby when your vision's the way yours is you know what the love's there and the the parenting it, it, nobody's perfect but uh you know and i think she's starting to realize that dad's a little bit different because she'll point point to things and she'll be trying to to tell me what she wants and sometimes i'll get it but we sort of get there in a roundabout way mm -hmm. so i think she's starting to learn um but she's very helpful she wants to put her own clothes in the laundry basket she wants to you know bath herself and i'm like well you're not old enough for that but uh, you know dad will be there watching and uh, i'm terrified when i feed her so i'm a little bit on the slower end doing that and uh, her mom's able to give her a little bit more freedom when she's over at her mom's place because she can obviously see right where i'm all over her i'm right up in her face and i can tell she gets annoyed but Hopefully when she's a little bit older, she'll understand why I was, I was doing, I wasn't doing that to annoy her. I was more doing it to yeah, it'll be make sure you don't choke on the blueberries kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be completely normal. I'm imagining you like taking like a spoonful of something and stick it in her eye or something like that. But I don't know. I have, uh, I, how much do we, um, I, 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 this is that different road, but how you, you mentioned it at the beginning for a second, but how much, um, latitude do you have for for just being lighthearted around your sight issue. Like, is it like, if I, if I like you and I don't know each other, but if I would have just in the middle of that conversation now, just blurted out, like, you know, you, you don't want to put cereal in her eye. Like, would you find that amusing? Would you find that, um, irritating? Can, how does stuff like that rub you? 
No, I just, you know what? I got pretty sick skin that it, it's, it's really good. Like I said, I just, I do funny things. Right. And there, there's some things that, you know, like I've locked myself in elevators, uh, looking for the braille to, to get to floor three. Uh, just the other night, I thought I was on the 15th floor, but I was on the 19th floor. So I was essentially trying to break into someone's apartment that wasn't that, that I wasn't supposed to, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. and, and people are pretty good. They'll come up and see the dog or the cane. They'll be like, Oh, can I help you? Um, you know, and, and that's sort of, uh, you, you look to the kindness of people and you got to trust a, a little bit more when you're visually impaired because, uh, it's just, uh, the, the way things are right. I mean, uh, yeah, there's so many funny things. I, I have tons of stories. It's just, uh, really, really funny. Um, I've even, you know what, I can't eat and not get food all over me. And I'm like, it could be like just chips, but I'll have like chip dust in my hair. And it's like, how did you, how did you get chip dust? You? Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's really funny. Right. Or there's times where I'm walking around and there's food in my teeth or there's something on my face, or even at times my shirt's on inside out and nobody has told me. And it's like, I've been walking around for four hours at work and nobody thought to say, Hey Ryan, your shirt's on inside. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, it's that's just, why I asked I, that be, if I may, like, that's why I asked because is that like I'm trying I imagine like I want to imagine you in the elevator you've pushed the wrong button you've locked yourself in the elevator at this point and I want to imagine you just in a personal private moment laughing out loud and being like son of a bitch I'm stuck in a goddamn elevator and like seeing that is amusing but I don't know I think people would want to see you as that being a sad thing but I I'm what I'm trying to get at is you don't see yourself that way and you don't want other people to either is that right no, I d- don't get me wrong. I have my sad days where like, let's, let's say for instance, and uh, I'm not throwing a pity party here, but I've never seen my daughter. Yeah. She's only two. I don't know what she looks like. I mean, people can describe her to me, but I mean, I've never seen her. Right. right? So like, that makes me sad. There's there, but I, I know with the way technology is going, I will see again in life. Um, whether it's walking her down the aisle or whatever, uh, you know, the technology is going to be there. Maybe there's a surgery, stem cells, something there'll be something out there uh, that will be able to help me out. But no, I, I tend to just laugh it off. And there's things, there's times where I get frustrated, certainly where it's like, Oh, I used to be able to hop in my car and drive to the store. But now it's like, I got to hop on three buses and it takes me, you know, 25 minutes to go, you know, three kilometers down the street. Right. Um, sorry, three miles down the street. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's interesting um, because you, you just, it's all about how you look at yourself. And I just think I got a lot left to give instead of, you know, being angry and people always express and, and take their vision loss or vision just differently. Right. And I I tend to tell people because I do work in the come to work department with the CNIB. So we prepare people for employment as visually impaired people. I think the first step is not being ashamed of your vision loss. And I'm not, uh, it's, you know what, it's a part of me. Like I said, my brain still works, my feet, my, my legs still work, my arms. It's just, you do things just in a different way, right? Mm. Like three people might be going to the mall. The end goal is to get to the mall. I might walk, someone might drive, another person takes the bus, but we all get there. Yeah. It's just, we got there in a different way. And that's how I sort of look at where we're getting, you know, even if it's working, you can still do what you got to do. It's just, you might have to do it differently if you're deaf or if you're visually impaired or if you use a wheelchair or if you have none of those needs, you know, you, you just tend to do things a little bit differently. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. I do. I, I, I can see how that attitude could just apply to so many different things in life. And, and I, I, I did, I, of course, I didn't mean to say that you're just running around, not impacted by your life. Everyone's impacted by their life. I just, I don't want people to feel scared when they're listening. Like it's not okay to 
to laugh along with you or it's, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying, right? You, you shouldn't be treating people differently because their lives are different than yours or your expectations. Well, and you know what? More often than not, um, a, a person with any sort of disability just wants to be talked to. Like, even just if I'm standing in line and you say hello to me, it's like, I'm, I'm not, that, that, that'd be great. I'm not looking for, you know, a whole conversation or anything, but like, it's, it's great to just know that, oh, hi, how's it going? Good morning. You know, something like that. Like, we're people too. And we're just looking um, you know, as you would say hi to someone else, you just might have to say it a little differently. It's like, oh, hello. And, you know, don't don't be afraid to say hello, guy with the guide dog. Like, yeah, that's my identifier. You know, like I wouldn't know you could be talking to one of the other 50 people in the Starbucks rather than me. Right. I, I would just wouldn't know. Right. Kind of thing. But it's it, that that's sort of and I get it from both ends of the table. Um, you can be you're just as scared to approach me as I'm probably scared to approach you. Right. Kind of thing. So 100 yeah. percent. Let me ask you a question. Give me an example of something that you wanted to do in your life that you can't do because of your vision. And give me an example of something that you're doing that you find really valuable and wonderful that you never would have done without this happening to you. Interesting. So uh, this kind of answers both of them. So forever, um, ever since I was a little kid, my grandfather was, uh, you know, a firefighter. I wanted to be a firefighter. But think about it. Your house is on fire. And heaven forbid, but your family's inside and Ryan rolls up in the fire truck and I get out with my guide dog and I'm like, hey, I'm here to save your family and, you know, stop the fire. Like, probably not realistic, right? Like, how would you feel? You'd be like, what's going on, right? But I'm helping people. I'm helping those with a visual impairment, um, with advocacy issues, with come to work issues, with employment issues. So I'm still helping people. It's just in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and truth be told, I don't know that I'd ever be working for the CNIB if I didn't lose my vision. I don't think I'd ever be fighting for an accessible pump, fighting for um, these things. But you know what? Life throws you curveballs. And uh, like I said, I played baseball and you just life is full of adjustments just as an athlete. Your, you know, your career is full of adjustments. So you just got to make them and kind of roll with the punches. And I know that's very cliche, but it's very, very true. Uh, it's a cliche because if you don't do that, then uh, you get very inflexible and things start going wrong pretty quickly. Um, you keep saying it quickly because you're so accustomed to it, but you work at the CNIB Foundation. What's that stand for? The Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Nice. And how long have you been with them? Uh, just over four years. Uh, and I've been in a couple different roles there. And it's it's really great. We're a national organization and we do we're, we're changing what it means to be blind um, one live at a time. And that's what I really, really like uh, where, you know what, uh, we, a lot of people have suffered through COVID, but we've actually sort of flourished in a way because we've actually been able to become the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. So now we're, we're getting people together through Zoom and through the, the wonders of technology that, you know, live in Vancouver and Halifax, they're meeting each other. Whereas before, if you lived in Halifax, you pretty much only met the blind people that lived in Halifax kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really great to see everybody sort of get out and, and learn from people, right? And we're just looking to empower people to, to do whatever they want to do. Like, yeah, you might have to change a little bit of it. But you know, as long as you're realistic, you can, you can dare I say, do anything yeah. as long as you're realistic, right? Kind of thing. Right. CNIB.ca, correct? Yes. That's online. Right. Excellent. I just have people that shows listen to pretty heavily in Canada. So I just want to make sure people know how to get to it, even uh, at other places so you can see what they're doing. Uh, how does it work in Canada? Like here, you'd be like a nonprofit. Is that the same thing there? We are. Yes. 
Yeah, we're just a really big one that's been around for uh, over 100 years. That's amazing. No kidding. Wow. Uh, Do you find that, um, I guess, let me start with this as the question. What's the instance of blindness in the population? Do you know that? Ooh, I don't want to give you bad numbers. Um, I I can't speak to that. Um, Can I say? I don't know. Moderate. I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to answer that. Unfortunately, Um, just because there's so many different eye conditions and blindness is a spectrum, right? So it's not like, Oh, Ryan can't see. And that's, that's blindness, right? There's a lot of people between your vision and my vision that might consider themselves visually impaired, maybe not blind, but visually impaired. So it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say misrepresented, but there's a lot of in between Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe accounted for, maybe not. Uh, and it's, you know, we, we do, we do service a lot of people though. Um, we, we help them out and we provide support for, for tons of people all around the country. So yeah, I've had people on who have all levels of sight. Um, and you know, I've had those, like I, there's a gentleman on at one point who drives, but you know, I guess technically is that's like you said, it's some version of their site is restricted to, to some degree. Um, and I don't, you know, whether or not that continues to, or if they find that, but these new treatments now are really good at like holding people's sight where they are. Is that right? Yeah. Um, even some of the stuff that they, um, my, my eye doctors and, uh, ophthalmologists were, were telling me like, oh, we wish this was kind of around back then because we would have liked to see how it worked on you. There's, there's a lot of different treatments out there and they're only getting better, yeah. uh, which is, which is really great. Wow. Is there any, um, uh, are there any site issues in your family line? Like, is this, is this the first time this has happened or has this happened to somebody in the past? No, I like to be the trailblazer. It's just me. So, um, I mean, my, my father and, you know, uh, everybody kind of wears glasses as they, you know, get a little bit older in life, mm-hmm. uh, a little more seasoned, but, uh, for the most part, everybody is, uh, we'll say, I don't like this word, but air quotes, normal vision. Um, so it's, it's just kind of me. So it was, I'm the, the guinea pig. Wow. How, how, um, how much of the day are you ever away from your dog? Are you never away from your guide dog? So interesting question, but so a guide dog, um, he picture a police officer, right? So you're, when you're in uniform, you're a police officer, but when you're at home and you're not in uniform, you're just a regular man or woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how it is with a guide dog. So he's here right now, but he's really just a well-trained pet. Uh, cause he's not in vest. So he knows the difference and that's a kudos to all the guide dog trainers out there, right. That they're able to, to teach this brilliant animal that, right. So he's usually nearby, but, uh, when I leave my house, I, I pretty much just only, um, uh, he, he leads me everywhere. So he'll be in vest. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but inside the house, you, you just, he's a pet to you and you don't like, is there a task in the house where you're ever like thinking like, I got to get the vest on him and get him helping me. Or does that not usually happen like that? Uh, actually, so we had a scare a, a few months ago, the fire alarm went on and I actually had my daughter. So I was like, okay, I got to get my daughter strapped to my chest. I got to, and then I got to get him prepared because he needs to lead me. Like if I put his leash on him and he doesn't have his vest, he's like, oh good, we're going for a walk. I can sniff things. I can, I can do things, but like, no, this is an emergency. Right. So it's kind of lesson learned, right. Keep things by the door. You need to be prepared. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's, uh, I always leave with an, with extra time, uh, that sort of thing, because I know that typically I do things a little bit slower, right? We have to stop at every corner cause he's trained to, 
Um, cause he can't, he doesn't know if the light's green or red, or if it's our turn to cross, I have to make that decision. Um, so it's, a it's, it, it's, it's very interesting and you go through a lot of training and the animals have gone through a ton of training as well. Um, so it's, it, you work as a team, you learn to, I've had them for just about, a, just about a year now and we're sort of hitting our stride. Hmm. So we're, we're kind of in each other's head and he kind of knows what I want him to do. And he, know, I know what he wants me to do because he sends me little signals as well. Do you ever finish something and just think to yourself, God, uh, that was just a hell of an accomplishment. I mean, just, are you ever proud of yourself? Like I, and a fire alarm goes off, you've got a two-year-old with you and you've got to strap up your guide dog and get out of a building. Like, did you get outside and think to yourself, I'm amazing. Like, because like, or does that not strike you that way? I, 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 I was very proud of myself in that moment, but I didn't put shoes on her. So she was strapped to, and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Now like you're hurting my back. She's, she's big. She's getting bigger. Right. right. So it's like, Oh, I can't even put you on the ground now. Cause we're outside. Luckily oh. it was, you know, July, it's not the middle of February where she would have been freezing, but uh, again, lesson learned. Like what if that happens now it's getting colder out? Um, no, I actually, um, it took me all day, but I built a bed frame. Uh, and obviously I can't read the instructions. It was like, okay, I got to feel this piece. I think this piece is this. And you know what? There was some trial and error where I had to take parts of it apart and be like, oh, I did that backwards or whatever. But you know what? It, I set the extra time aside and and I did it. Uh, even with my pump, back to the diabetes, sometimes when I have to rewind and change my reservoir uh, set, it sometimes it takes me four minutes because I have a, a good days. Other time it takes me half an hour to change it because I, I screw up and I got to wait for the the, the pump to reset itself. But, uh, you know what? I I'm proud of myself every day. I do that too. I'm telling you if, I, if, if I was you, I would have put that bed frame together. I would have stood up and pounded on my chest and been like, I'm goddamn Superman. I'm just going to tell you all right now without being able to see this bed, I put it together. I, and then by the way, later at night when I went to sit on it, I would for a minute think I better be careful. A blind guy put this bed together. <laughs> I, you know, like I would have that moment. Right? I, that, that was my thoughts though. I, I was yeah. laying in it that night. I'm like, Hmm, am I going to be crumpled up in the morning and in, in just a disaster of a pile of metal and wood here? Just thump on the floor and you're like, uh, yeah, that, that was predictable. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's obviously it's not. It's just like to me, like I, I'm amazed by what you're telling me and not amazed like, you know, like I, I, I don't know what the word is. I, I I, I, I'm not pity. I promise. Yeah. I promise. I'm just a guy. I put my pants on one leg at a time in the morning, just like everybody else. It's just, you know what? I just might not know if they match my shirt. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, exactly. yeah, I, you know what? You just learn to, to do things differently in yeah. life. And that's how I'm navigating through my diabetes journey too. You just really learn to do things differently. And you know what? It's, it's, it's more what blindness has taught me. It's, it's more about the journey, not the end product right uh it was always like we're we're so concentrated on the end and how quickly we get there i sort of take my time and smell the roses and hey let's 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 do it but it's about the journey how am i going to do it now do you ever consider um sending your daughter to like trial net for example to see if she has genetic markers for type one is that something it scares it scares the life out of me all the time uh i haven't uh thought about it but uh I'm just hoping that there's some sort of like cure or something, uh, knock on wood. I hope she never, ever gets it. But if she does, um, I'm hoping that there's something out there that will help. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's one thing I, I don't want for her. No, no, I, I wouldn't imagine. It's just, there's ways to see if they, if people have genetic markers and those markers can tell you you're, you know, within reason, your percentage of chance. 
And I just didn't know if that would be something you'd want to know about so that you could pre-plan for it, or if you would prefer not to know about it and just kind of live on the side of hope. But if you haven't thought about it, you're not going to have an answer to that question. So. Yeah, good. That's a really good question. I'm probably going to be thinking about it all day now. But uh, no, I, I, it, it's something to consider, definitely. No, it's, it's just very, um, I, I mean, everybody feels the same. I've never asked that question of anybody who hasn't had a very similar answer. You know, just like, I don't know. Like, that sounds scary. And then the other side of it, I can see the adult part of it where you'd want to know and be prepared. And like, I can see everyone's argument. Um, for either side of that. And uh, I just didn't know if it was something you'd ever considered or not. Um, parents alive? Yes. They yep. are. How how often are you with them? Um, I'm wondering how, um, even if you're not like together, together, I guess my question is, is that if, has your, has your blindness created a scenario where they feel overly, responsible for you still in a way that you might not have a 35 year old that's really my question yes and no um i don't see my mom often because uh she lives across the border she lives in michigan so it's been closed for 19 months she hasn't been able to kind of come across right Right. Uh, and i do feel bad for her because she's missing out on little abby's life she hasn't really seen um you know her she hasn't got to see her grow up except for through facetime right yeah. Um, my dad lives in Windsor with me. Um, he, he comes over, I'd say, let's say once a week or something, but it's interesting at times he'll see 21 year old sighted scholarship athlete, Ryan. And then other times he'll see poor, helpless blind guy, Ryan. And I say that loosely, but it's, you know, it's, so it's, it's interesting that he will want to do things for me. And, um, you know, Hey dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry, you're not getting any younger. You got to let me lift those heavy things, but he always wants to, to help. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I try to, I have to tell him like my legs and arms work. I mean, if I'm carrying groceries and I run into the wall, that's on me. That's not on you. It, it's, but you know what? Hey, lesson learned. Uh, I, um, so he does, he does, it, it comes, it comes and goes. Cause other times you'd be like, Oh, you can do that by yourself. And I'm like, thank goodness. Thank you. Yes, I can. Yeah. But other times it's uh, Oh, let me do that for you. Hey, let me, let me, Oh, I'll get this, I'll open this pop for you. So I can open a pop can or, or whatever kind of thing. Right. So it's, um, I love him, love him so much for it, all the help. And, you know, I don't think I want you to stop helping me dad, but it's, it's just interesting. Right. Because it's, it's, I get it. I'm his kid and he wants to help out and he's still, yeah. he does quite a bit, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm good. I, I promise I'm, yeah. I'm good. I just might take longer or do things differently. Not that this has anything to do with your situation, but my wife was telling me about this story the other day where a 90 year old woman who was still living on her own, um, voluntarily moved into a nursing facility to help take care of her 70 year old child. And I was just like, yeah, see, that's the thing about being a parent right there. You know what I mean? Like, look, it just never leaves you. It's, it's, um, it, that, that, I found that fascinating, uh, but I no, and I worry. I worry. I'm like, oh my goodness, am I going to get like this with Abby? Is this is this what I have to look forward to? And she's going to, you know, not say hate me, but you know, hate me for wanting to help or or doing yeah. So it's 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 very interesting. Yeah, they don't hate you. They just they'll act annoyed by it. But then you know, if it goes away right away, they're like, oh, where where were you on this? You, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I have kids. Uh, 17 and 21. So, um, I've seen it, like I've seen it both ways. I've seen them kind of push away help and I've seen them say, no, no, I really need this. You know, it, it, it always happens in weird places. Um, 
and and yeah, it's gonna happen to you too. Happens to everybody. Uh, you know, just I just I don't know. I was like stunned. I was like, I'm 90 and I'm living on my own, and I'm like, no, no, I'll go into a home to help my to help my child. I was like, wow, that's really crazy. Um, all right, well, Ryan, listen, I want to ask you: Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to that I I didn't get to? No, I've had a great time. This has been a, a great chat, and uh, no, thank you. Just uh, yeah, then no, uh, honestly, this I'm has not, been I'm uh, not wonderful. Pushing, I'm not pushing you away. I just want to make sure that we didn't like, like you know, because sometimes I get I don't know, I, I get distracted and I start asking questions about things that I think most people don't give a crap about, but I just find interesting as we're talking. How did um who reached out to me? and said, I think you should be on this show. I'm forgetting the pathway that you got here. Uh, so we, um, w- Diabetes Canada had a lot of interaction and a lot of, they, I'm sure they all listen or most of them listen to your podcast. And then they are working on with the CNIB on an accessible insulin pump project. Got it. And uh, my coworker, Kat Hamilton, uh, my colleague, she said, Ryan, I think you should go on this. And I did some research and I'm like, I would love to go on this. And so she actually reached out to you and said, I think you should have Ryan on the show. And it kind of just spiraled from there. And here we are. Yeah, that's excellent. So let me let me finish up by asking you this. Like in your perfect world, what should an let's start with an insulin pump. What should an insulin pump do or have or offer that would be valuable to you? I think that the marketers, the design teams, and the engineers should think about making it accessible from the get-go not just for a visually impaired but like hey what about an elderly person that wears glasses and can't see the small print i think that the universal design concept should really be kind of in there right hey take it out of the box and with a few adjustments let's let's whoever can choose whatever kind of uh, options you need then you can use them right um because it's like just I think of it in terms of an elevator, right? So an elevator was originally designed for people that can't use stairs to get to the second floor. But now in a pre-COVID world, if you lived in an office build or if you lived in an office, if you worked in an office building, I bet you you took an elevator every day, not even thinking about it. They've just come second place and second nature. I would love for all medical devices, but especially an insulin pump, to, to be like that. Let's not even think about it. It's just there. Yeah. Um, I know there's, I know that's, you know, a very simplistic approach. There's uh, approvals, there's health Canada, there's this, there's that, there's all kinds of different things that it has to go through, but don't, I guess, don't be worried about the money that you put forth. Like do it because it's expensive and it takes a long time. But just think about me with the bed. I made the bed. It, it was difficult, but look, it, it, it's, it's working. So I, I think there's a lot of people that would come out of the the woodwork and say like, there's tons of people that I know in Canada that won't go and use a pump because they know it's not accessible and they're worried about their vision and their health and going low, going high in the middle of the night and and not to be dire, but not waking up the next morning. Uh, So it's, you know what, even for me to tell how much battery life is in my pump or what time it is with my pump, right? Uh, Pretty much my pump is a fancy insulin pen. It, 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 it just pumps insulin to me all the time, but I can't use the, the really cool functions. Mm. And that's what I would like to be able to do. Whether or not I tend to use all of them, you know, I, I would like to be the, the gatekeeper of that decision, not uh, someone else that designed the pump thinking, oh, here, this is going to be great for everybody, but it's only great for, you know, 
well, eight so, out of 10 people. So would it be helpful to you if manage, if, if, if the devices moved into solely into a cell phone, because then text to speech would be more easy. Like I'm assu- like, I'm imagining if you could run your insulin pump from your cell phone and you can run your CGM from your cell phone, then it wouldn't be difficult for these companies to build coding that would allow you to say like, Hey, you know, my phone, what's my blood sugar and have it tell you that or, um, absolutely. No, that's, that's where it it goes. And, you know, there's a lot of security purposes, a lot of security concerns and things like that. Right. But I mean, we can do all of our banking on our phone and we can do all of our other things on our phone. So why can't we do this? Um, you look at it and we're, we're working there. And some of the pump companies have even reached out and and said like, Hey, like we're, we're going to be able to do this. Right. We're, we're looking into apps and they're in trial and and this and that. And it's really, really awesome. Uh, that's, that's what I would love is just to, and you, when you look at it, Apple and Android have done the hard work for you. They have talk back and voiceover that really, I can almost do anything. I can serve Facebook. I can send text messages. I can send emails. I can dial phone numbers. I'm on my smartphone right now and on a Zoom call with you. And it's completely accessible, right? So it's it, they've done the hard work by integrating the voice for you. So let's let's look at this and say, how can we move forward from your end on just making buttons like, oh, I want to give myself four units of insulin. How does that look on a, on a pump or uh, sorry, not a pump on a smartphone app or, Hey, your, your average A1C is this, like, how, how can we do that? Right? Like I understand graphs are probably never going to be accessible for me. Uh, just based on my site, I'm not speaking for everybody visually impaired, but it's, it's, there's gotta be other ways. Yeah. Well, couldn't the, well, let me ask you a question. If, if the graph was not even in Braille, but just so that you could, if it was raised, wouldn't you be able to kind of feel like here's where the insulin went in, here's where I started going up? Wouldn't that be valuable to you? Like a tactile graph? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, it would. Uh, like even giving me the option to print one, right? Because uh, I think that would be great. Like, I don't think there's a way to do that with the phone screen, but yeah, for, for sure. Like, I, I think that would that's a great idea. Yeah. One I hadn't even considered before. You have, do you have a printer that prints raised? I'm lucky because I work for the Institute for the blind. So I could do it at work. Um, they're very expensive at this point. It's kind of, I don't want to say new technology, but, um, making them smaller and Bluetooth. And so like there are Braille embossers, but traditionally they were big and bulky and, uh, cost thousands of dollars and they still do, but now they're, desktop models hmm. so i could see it becoming a little bit more reasonable and affordable in the future right. um but yeah I'll, I'll truth be told not a lot it, it, one of the major myths is that everybody that's blind uses braille and that's not the case um i i learned braille to read abby books um people in my scenario usually don't learn braille because you have your voice you have your audio books you have those things but i think the 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 missed key messaging is that no matter how technologically savvy we get or we, you know, we use Braille is our version of print. And just for you, like a, a print document's never going to lose its value. There's always going to be a signature required on it or something different, right? Mail delivered in your mailbox, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that's the equivalent for a visually impaired person is the Braille. Yeah, I was just really imagining. I mean, I know what I've learned from looking at the Dexcom graphs for my daughter and there's so much to be inferred from them. And you start to understand how to use insulin differently. And, you know, I, I'm going to say better 
by seeing the impacts visually. It's just, it really is. But you could, I mean, if you had that graph, I'm, I'm imagining you with like a, like the last three hours of your blood sugars and the knowledge of where did I put the insulin, where did the food go in and, and being able just to feel that rise and kind of imagine it in your mind. I would imagine you could do a better job with your insulin after having those experiences over and over again. So my, po- my point is... And just really, think of it even in a simpler terms, and I, I'm not trying to be nosy here, but does your daughter use a CGM? She does. She uses a... No, you're, you're lovely. You're not trying to be nosy. You can t- ask me whatever you want, right? Uh, she's <laughs> using the Dexcom G6 right now. So when she, te- when she tests her sugar, um, I don't know if, if she ever gives you a look, um, but there's always arrows next to it, right? So there's either like three going up, which means your blood sugar is going up a lot, or there's like one going down, you're starting to get low. Maybe you should, you know, uh, eat something like there's those arrows up until recently. I had no idea those arrows were there because it didn't read anything out to me, but even that information would be so awesome to know. And it's changed. Like even with the Libre now it'll say, Oh, you're 8.1 and your blood sugar is rising rapidly. So at least now I know it's like, Oh, I probably should correct this. Right. Whereas before it was just the arrows were there for the sighted world to see, but not for Ryan to yeah. use. No, there's a lot. There's a lot of low hanging fruit here for you. If people would get on board and work towards it, it sounds like to me. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm going to ask you one silly question before we get done. Um, because you have to wait for something to be read to you when you're looking at Facebook. Do you ever get halfway through somebody's thought and think, oh, what a waste of time. I can't believe I put much effort into <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'll mean? do you one I'll do you one better I don't know if you use Twitter but like you can put emojis in your name in Twitter and some people go crazy where it's uh so the my screen reader will read out emojis it'll be like oh smiling face and kissy face and heart uh heart-shaped eyes face like it, it reads out all of them and they all have different descriptors but it's funny because some people use them wrong they're like oh like uh for one of my friends she kept sending me um, a distressed face. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm sending you smiley faces. I'm like, they're described to me as distressed face. Like I was seriously worried for you, <laughs> but back on Twitter, if you put more than like three emojis in front of your name, I won't even read what you're writing because it goes, I don't get to skip over. It's like this emoji, that emoji, this emoji, that emoji, this emoji, that emoji, Ryan, who wrote, and then you get into it, but legitimately you could be waiting there for like, and this doesn't seem long, but 16 seconds as it goes through emojis and i'm like no skip well, yeah well it only it, it definitely seems long if then the tweet is just not valuable at all and you're like oh my god i sat through i sat through eggplant poop blah 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 so that i could get exactly i, I could yep. get this crap <laughs> i just i don't know i would i can find myself I, I, i'm picturing myself being like oh my god just so irritated i know when you start reading some things that people write and you get halfway through you're like oh there's time I'm never going to get back. And I know to stop reading it now. So that's amazing. Uh, Or there's those Facebook posts where it's just a picture. Like there's something called alternate text. So I put them in all of my pictures. So it'll describe loosely what's in the picture. Ryan sitting with Abigail on her lap. That's pretty much all you need to know. And then my my visually impaired friends, they love it because they can enjoy the picture. They can't enjoy it like you would, but it's a different way, right? But then there's some people that just post a picture. And it's nine times out of 10 because people just don't know. They're like, oh, Blind people don't use Facebook or or whatever, right? So it's uh, they they, they don't put anything. So it's just a it's a picture of their kids on their first day of school. But all they do is post the picture, and I just scroll through it because it's like, oh, this is a photo, and it might have trees in it, and and that. So it kind of describes it to me, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, no, it really is something. All right, man. Listen, this was terrific. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, 
I, Anytime. Hopefully you'll have me back at some point. Well, I haven't, I, I don't normally have people back, Ryan, but I, maybe I will. Oh, fair enough. it's not because people aren't great. It's cause I just like uh, you, you run a, you know, tell people for a second, you have a podcast too, right? That's, that's not about like, what else do you do? Yeah. So it's an, it's an internet radio show and it's every Friday at three fifteen Eastern. And it's all about audiobooks. It's called, it's a, it's a 15 minute segment on a bigger show that's uh, every day during the week. Uh, and it's through Accessible Media Incorporated, and they're out of Toronto, and they're a television and an audio kind of channel. And what they do is all their programming is in described definition for the blind and uh, closed caption for the deaf. Yeah, uh, on screen. So, um, and we we do different lifestyle tips and tricks and hacks and that sort of stuff for uh, the blind world. Yeah. And so one is mine's the fun one. I get audiobooks every Friday afternoon. Hey, here's what you should be reading. Here's some cool news. Here's uh, you know, where you can get the books, that sort of thing. So we do it every, uh, every Friday at three fifteen, and you can catch it at amiaudio.ca. Listen live. No, and I, I bring that up because you'll have an appreciation for the fact that it is October 18th right now. And if, you contacted me today and you weren't you, you know what I mean? Like I have you on, I have like a couple of VIP days held aside so I can always slide stuff in. But if you're just a regular person trying to come on the show, I think the next availability is in May of 2022 right now to record. So that's a good situation to be in. Yeah. So I'm good. Listen, that's amazing. But that's why I never end up having people back again, because I don't even know when to like slide them in. Like, you know, like, when am I going to do this? Um, of course. Well, but, you're very busy, but let's keep in touch. We'll no, keep it at that. No, for you, though, I, I, I say differently because I want to I want to hear about you getting locked in an elevator again. I have to be honest. I want us to get very close, Ryan, so that we can have very I want to have a conversation with you one day that would be a conversation that you might have amongst three people who are in your situation. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really want to see behind um, how, how your life works in a way where we're not. um. Uh, you know, I don't, what am I saying? Like we're, 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 so, everyone is understandably careful about talking about things because you don't want to insult people. You don't want to assume your situation on somebody else's like, I get all that, but there's, I feel like there's a back room to your life. That's hilarious. And I'm not hearing about it. So I think maybe if we learn each, uh, know more about each other, it might come out as we're talking or am I wrong? Sounds great. Am I wrong? No, it sounds great. I got tons of stories. There's all kinds. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Um, and it's just even if it's every day, Ryan just does silly things, right? There's there's been times where um, you know what I thought I was going to eat an apple, but it was an onion. Like just simple things like that, right? Uh, and I know that sounds strange, but now I've I've kind of got my uh, got my bearings underneath me. But uh, you know what? Best laid plans always go to waste. So yeah. absolutely, I'd, I'm more than willing to talk about those. Listen, Ryan, you don't know me well enough, but I stopped from asking you about having sex while you were blind. I stopped myself for an hour and eight minutes. So I'm super proud of myself right now. And I'm just going <laughs> to say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's really what I wanted to ask you pretty much the entire time. And yet I was an adult and I did not do it. Um, but uh, seriously, though, I really appreciate you doing this. I, I really do. This is really... Um, uh, just a different conversation for me. So uh, I, I'm going to, you wouldn't be the first person while. to ask me those questions. So it's no, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll touch base. Yeah. All right. Hold on one second. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, huge thanks to Ryan for coming on the show and sharing his story with us. I also want to thank the contour next one, blood glucose meter and remind you to go to contour next dot com forward slash juice box and of course us med get that white glove treatment 
at usmed.com forward slash juice box or by calling 888-721-1514. Get your free benefits check today. Don't delay. Today and don't delay. They rhyme. And if you want to check out the place where Ryan works, it's cnib.ca, not .com. It's from the Canada. It's different. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. In the meantime, you should check out the podcast Facebook page, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private Facebook page with 24, 25,000 people in it. Those people are just like you. They use insulin or love someone who uses insulin, and they're just trying to figure things out. And they're in there helping each other. And I stop by quite a little bit. I'm like the um, I'm like the neighbor in a sitcom who's you know comes by once or twice every episode. I'm just like I stick my head in the door. I'm like, hey, what's up, everybody? And then uh, like I I say something funny or I help with something or. I'm even a sounding board sometimes. Then I'm gone, poof, and then it's back to the regulars, the people who really, uh, you know, are the heart and soul of the show, which are, in this case, the people in that Facebook group. Really a special group of people. Check it out. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It's a private group, so you'll have to answer a couple of questions coming in to make sure that you're a real person. When it asks you where you heard about it, for just for people who heard about it here, let's put a code word in. I'll know you guys heard about it here, and then I will just let you in immediately. I'll be like, these people heard about this in episode 667. Um, A code word. How about just 667? That'd be easy. Where did you hear about it? Episode 667. Boom, you're right through. All right, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.